It was the hottest, doggiest dog day of the summer. The kind of day you don't just stick to vinyl, you stick to everything. It was one of those days when all your summer dreams are burned out of your memory, like butt flesh on a superheated back seat. Good morning, Gut Buckets. This is Big Orange Couch, the 90s Nickelodeon podcast, where we talk about all things 90s Nickelodeon. My name's Joey. I'm Andrew. I'm Chris. <laughs> really leaning <Nice>. in. <laughs> the doctor of death. <laughs> so uh, great. To... Two, twice in one week. Yeah. Yep. Wow. You, you catch that? It was an endless mic quote. I looked it up when oh. I was in the bathroom. Oh, say it again. <laughs> the doctor of death. <laughs> I forgot the rest of it. Hold on. I got it on my phone. Wow. No. Uh, I've, I've come to cure you of your life. Oh, wow. That's a really good one. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate the effort. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really envy Melissa for her catchphrase. Her blowholes is really good. Yeah, and I would like one. I think even though it's a longer phrase, I think "Doctor of Death." It's a good one. It's yeah. good. I'm a, I'll try Plus, it I like that it's endless, Mike. Yeah, yeah I, I just, love endless, Mike. Yeah, he's my favorite. I can see you guys as kind of like yeah. compatible. Yeah, yeah we're compatible. <laughs> uh, so this is episode sixty-seven. We're going to be talking about Pete and Pete the Call. Yeah, a classic episode. Another classic episode for yeah. Uh, yeah. Pete and Pete Summer. Yeah, fans of Pete and Pete. Hot day episode. It could be the yeah the summeriest episode of a very summery series. Be. Yeah. We just came off talking about um, Field of Pete, yeah. which is a nice summer. It's uh, it's not one day. I mean, I think you're supposed to imagine it takes place over the course of a week or yeah, so, maybe. Yeah, or man, I figured they play, a month maybe. Oh, yeah. I mean, they play a lot of games. Yeah, that's too. true. Um, do you remember that one at all with the Orange Lazarus? Yeah, and, not super well. Okay. Do you remember the Orange Lazarus itself? Uh, I remember the phrase orange lazarus i don't oh man you don't remember the undulating like goop orange goop no <laughs> it looks so good okay i'll check it out so tasty i do love orange as a as a flavor right, and a i color. love this mm-hmm. love no doubt well we hope you guys have enjoyed the episode yeah. so far uh the call is one i've been really wanting to talk about for a while uh, Very and, memorable, and I'll um, I give yeah I guess I'll I'll talk more about that once we get into it. But um, it was really interesting to go back because I hadn't watched it for a while, and it's a little bit of a different type of episode than I think I've kind of like um, that I had cemented in my mind. Mm. Um, there like there are parts I really remembered, and then parts where I had no idea it was part of the episode. Yeah, um, hmm. so it definitely was, does that. It was a weird experience, even because I watched. As always, I always watch these a couple times. Um, it felt like every time I watched it, I was still kind of being like, oh. like This one was very agreed. vivid to me. Really? Especially, like, there were so many moments in it that I was like, oh, my God, that moment, that <laughs> yeah. one, like, um, that I've just thought about more than once over the years for whatever yeah. reason. It just, like, pops in my head, you know, just, like, really uh, visually hmm. arresting things. Yeah. Well, well, we'll definitely get into it. Um, before we do that, we love hearing from you guys, and we have a first-time writer. Oh, nice. uh, his name is also Justin, uh, but oh. he told us just to call him Bup. Uh, Bup. B-U-P. Cool. Bup. Um, so he says, 
uh, Good Day Gut Buckets. I have never written into a podcast before, so I thought it was high time to do so, as I've been a listener of yours since almost the start. My job involves a lot of driving, so I've managed to accumulate quite a library of podcasts that I listen to on the regular during my travels, and I can honestly say that I look forward to new episodes of BOC the most. Like you guys, I grew up on 90s Nick, not... Uh, so not only does every episode of your show present a great opportunity to hear insight and commentary on my favorite childhood shows, but also provides a fond look back at the good old days. As much as I'd love to chime in on every subject of your back catalog of episodes, I don't imagine you'd feel like spending hours reading that. So I'll stick to the current stuff. Let's cut to the chase, Dinnerman. Um, by the way, feel free to chime in on say, everything. Joey, Joey will definitely read <laughs> <laughs> whatever thoughts yeah. you have. We could chop it up, right? Like yeah. we could do like a little bit every episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he says, apologies to Andrew and Max, but I must side with Joey on this one. I uh, I gave it a recent watch, and while Down the Drain uh, was a fair mm. episode on its own, Rocket Power remains one of my least favorite Nicktoons from the era of Nickelodeon that I lived as a kid. Putting aside the fact that every character is nothing more than a one-dimensional cliche ripoff from better shows, example, Murph Stimpleton being a diet at Big Head, uh, most episodes, especially in later seasons, didn't or barely have a conflict in their plot. The story for most episodes was, look how good these kids are at sports. Um, for a while, I thought that maybe the reason I couldn't get into it was because I wasn't a sports fan growing up, and I certainly wasn't an athlete. I tried a few sports and quickly learned that I was not cut out for them. But then I imagined what it would feel like to be an athlete or sports enthusiast and came across this show. Hey, you know you know that thing that represents a huge part of who you are and took years of patience and training to get really good at? Well, here's a show about a group of grade schoolers that are instantly the absolute best at every sport there is, <laughs> even if they're trying it for the first time. I mean, I respect that they were clearly trying to get kids outside and active with this show, but I think giving them impossible-to-meet expectations was not the way to do it. Mm. Don't get me wrong, I didn't hate the show. I watched enough of it to give it a fair shake. However, along with CatDog and Jimmy Neutron, it became a channel changer for me. Mm. Uh, he says, I was super excited to hear that you guys are doing favorite Doug episodes. Um, despite its frequent, frequent corniness, I also love that show. It was, uh, it was tough narrowing it down, but here are my top five Dugs. Number five, Doug's Lost Weekend, which I think was Brett's number two, uh, where he's playing video games all weekend. Number four, Doug Says Goodbye. I believe that's when Skeeter is moving. Oh, I can't be certain yeah, of that, yeah. but I, I think that's that one. Um, he has the same number three as me, Doug's Bad Trip, which is the final episode, their family road trip, kind of like King of the Road, um, yeah. minus, you know, they had more tourist stops. Yeah. Uh, number two, Doug and Patty P.I. Mm. Private I, I, investigator. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's uh, when they have a, uh, they're like on some kind of camp or like field day type thing, and mm. Roger steals like some of the equipment, oh. and Patty and Doug have to figure out who did it. Oh. It's a pretty good episode. Okay, all right. Uh, and number one was your number two, Doug's Lucky Hat. Oh. He Ooh, says, so I good. still love the music from this episode to this Lucky very hat day. Lucky is good. Yeah. I really enjoyed remembering that. On that one, I'm, I, that might be my number one if I had to. Outside of like um, we talked about on last week's episode, like <laughs> yeah, the other time when I told you my number one <laughs> was the beats and yeah, yeah. I also I, I like the lucky hat one. Okay, yeah, cool. Uh, he says thanks for taking the time to read this, you guys. I love your show and the obvious thought and care you put into it. Keep up the excellent work. Uh, respectfully biting the wind, uh, Justin or Bup. 
P.S. The Pete and Pete insult you guys were trying to place a couple weeks ago uh, was fungus lick from my uh, from Farewell, My Little Viking. Mm, nice. Papercut says to little Pete, forget about your superhero fungus lick. He's as gone as yesterday. <laughs> Man. Bup coming out with a katana. Yeah. I love it. I like it, yeah. Yeah. So keep writing. We love... Uh, we, it's fun just to revisit stuff from the past. Yeah. Uh, rocket power, Chris. Oh, I mean, you can anticipate it. <laughs> yes. I, I just can. absolutely hate that show. <laughs> what a surprise. Uh-huh. I, I mean, it, uh, like, to the point, maybe it might be better than Cat Dog. I think, like, Cat Dog, for me, is the, it's definitely better than Cat the Dog. worst. <laughs> but I really actually like uh, Bup's... Uh, like the, what he what he said about like, imagine you know working really hard at something, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then watching a TV show and people are instantly very good at it. Yeah, like I I remember, like not only did I think it was just not good, I was old enough I think that I felt like I had a sense of my own aesthetics. Mm. Um, it was I was never cool enough. Like maybe that show is for people who are reinforcing like oh we're already cool we're watching like cool people do cool stuff (laughs) because just from listening to your episode like the one like the nerdy kid the one person who i would maybe like uh they're just brutal yeah sam they are but to me that's like realistic just very real it's like good (laughs) to see that you know, on something Wait, like. Why is it good to see that? I I just, because it happens in real life, so it's like. But I don't feel like that was Rocket Power's approach, which was. I don't think they were trying to make a statement on bullying. I think they thought it would be funny well, to I have thought these they characters were, like oh, razzing their know. friend. I, I don't know if they thought it was funny. I mean, Reggie's always uh, defending him. It's yeah. California superiority. Like, and <laughs> Otto's kind of a jerk. That's his character. I don't necessarily love his character, but I. I, <laughs> I you know, and I was never into sports really certainly not like extreme sports but i just uh just got it. i just liked it i don't know what i liked about no, it's fine. the sunniness I think, that was a big part of it well, I, I it's think, always like summer yeah i think max hit on something which was like that was a very specific moment of skateboarding and yeah tony hawk yeah. And, totally. uh yeah when you guys like discovered that tony hawk came out at the same time oh, yeah. yeah that felt significant yeah for sure um so i think it makes sense that like a group of kids latched onto it. I, I I agree with what you said. I think we were probably at the age that you we either knew like, eh, like the aesthetically. Yeah, like what was your thing? I about? guess that's my quibble with you is oh. that for me like I was never into those aesthetics that you're talking about. And I get it, like what you're saying. Um, but there was something about the show that was still mm. good to me. <laughs> like I didn't get into it because of that. Yeah, it right. was just like. I kind of got sucked in just watching it. I the other the other thing I would I think about it is that he and uh, Buck kind of pointed out is that uh, I remember watching them particularly at your house and there's not like an episode that I could even distinctly kind of pick out what happened. I think like they're kind of moralist, plotless. They felt very like devoid of story. Whereas if I saw like a Rocco or a Doug or a Hey Arnold, I feel like I don't even a couple weeks or a month later be like, oh, I remember what happened. You know, I'm not arguing that uh, Hey Arnold or Rocco is uh, not <laughs> superior to it. I know you're not, but I, know, but I think just, it's a I think it's a major problem with Rocket Power yeah, is that the stories aren't very memorable. It's not one of the more memorable shows, but I think it's still better than like the crop of shows that came up after it. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's. 
By the way, do, have you guys uh, noticed? I don't know. I'd probably hang out with more high schoolers than you guys do. Um, <laughs> that, like, cool high school kids, like, Hey Arnold is, like, really, like, a hip thing. Like, I've seen multiple, like, kind of, like, hip high school kids in Austin uh, wearing Hey Arnold t-shirts. Huh. Well, they're starting to sell, like, even at, like, um, like Gap and uh, Walmart, Kohl's, Col- Target. Like, they're starting to sell just Nickelodeon gear. Mm-hmm. But specifically, Hey Arnold, hmm. and and I was talking. I tutor this this girl who's very thinks she's very cool. She is cool. Um, and uh, and I asked her about it because she was wearing it. And she's like, "Yeah, Hey Arnold's one of my favorite shows." And I'm like, "How did that happen? Like, how are you? How watching did they access it? Yeah. I oh, you know, well, I think it's on Hulu. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what she said. It's Hulu. Yeah. Do have access to virtually all of this stuff? <laughs> yeah, but now. but they would have to really. We're doing a podcast a little, on it. They would have to really seek it. Yeah, but they to, probably to like. They probably for. just have to think it, and it appears on the computer screen <laughs> well, compared to. I, I guess uh, maybe what I'm saying is like 16 year olds now, mm. um, like the 90s stuff that we grew up with, is like kind of classic uh, rock. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know to to us like something that is been like also those kids are all dressing like people did at that time in mm-hmm. the 90s so I think that kids that are coming up right now just purely aesthetically I mm-hmm. think like not even out of an interest in like the shows or yeah. or you know ideas themselves like are drawn to these things which I think, I think is interesting yeah, yeah definitely. for sure uh, well, there isn't a uh, This Month in History, because uh, this episode premiered on Sunday, September 18th, 1994, at noon, Season 2, Episode 3. Um, we've talked about both of the first uh, two episodes of Season 2 already, uh, which both were in September of 94, Grounded for Life, and uh, just a couple days ago we talked about uh, Field of Pete. So there's really no use in uh, re- going over again. You know, the timing of this could have something to do with just how uh, kind of deep they got into uh, my psyche, like, with school just having started and just, mm. like, yeah, just, for me at least, just it being a terrible experience. So I'm, like, <laughs> trying to escape at all costs, and these are, like, little hints of the summer that's passed. And, mm. and I might have been really, like, wanting that summer again. You know? Yeah. And the Sunday at noon thing is an interesting time slot. Like, yeah. you don't see things come out at that time slot. But Pete and Pete kind of makes sense cause it, for that because Sunday is always, like, a really reflective day yeah. for people. And, like, you know, Pete and Pete's yeah. always, like, a reflective experience. Yeah. I wonder how that works on Nickelodeon, though, where, like, what time slot on a channel that's not an yeah. adult channel... What, what if you're a creator of a show? What do you want? Obviously, Snick <laughs> Snick was obviously the height, yeah, of probably what you would want. I think also like three to five on weekdays. Yeah, I think that's right, also a right hot, after school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that spot. makes sense. I'm sure they had little say. The creators, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like I, I mean, from executive. the impression from Will McRobb, it seemed like they were just astonished Nickelodeon was yeah. letting them make the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so as we said, so down on yourself, McRob. <laughs> no, I don't think he was down on. I know, it. I know. Yeah, yeah. I, think he, I think he's proud of it, but he, I think he has a really realistic uh, outlook, which is like we were working really hard to make a show that we thought was good, and in retrospect, it's surprising that Nickelodeon just let us. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Very yeah. Sh- very cool because like you know it would be hard to find a network now. 
I mean, yeah. it's like the, it's the it freaks was, and geeks problem. You yeah. know, like yeah. it was just the wild west of TV <laughs> back then. It's just right. getting just booming. Wild west of cable. Yeah. 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 So season two, episode three, the call. Want to talk about it? Yeah. Let's do it. Um, so Big Pete again, another uh, Big Pete narrating episode mm-hmm. introduces us to Wellsville and the strange phone that has been ringing there for 27 years. This is Wellsville, my hometown. In a lot of ways, Wellsville is like most towns in America. The streets are safe. The mail almost arrives on time. And the ice cream man knows just how to beat the summer heat. But there's one thing about Wellsville you won't find in any other town. And it's something that makes us tremble in fear. It's a phone. A seemingly ordinary payphone that's been ringing for 27 years. Just phenomenal uh, opening idea. Yes. <laughs> this is So this is the crux of the episode, this yeah. ringing phone. And uh, it's it's an amazing idea. It is. I mean, it's so it, it's a deceptive one. It sounds like man, that could could be horrible. And <laughs> yeah. Just really dumb. But yeah. it's just it's as far from that as it could it's be. Confident the, writing. Yeah. yeah. The the phone itself. I think what's really important in this episode is the setting. The phone is in the middle of this like vacant lot. Yeah. Uh, just like this wild, kind of this wilderness abandoned lot. It's I think an it's old a phone booth, old movie theater, like an old drive-in lot. Oh. That's what I thought too. I couldn't yeah. tell if it was a billboard or a screen, but yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But uh, that that setting where the phone booth is, I think, is a huge part of the success of the episode. It is. I mean, I love everything, a lot of things about it, but that is great. Uh, it being so by itself yeah. in that concrete. Yeah. Um, so everyone in the town is afraid to answer the phone, and they all have their own theory about what happens when you do. Even Hub, a worker <laughs> for the phone company, can't help them figure no. out what to do. Why doesn't someone answer it? Everybody has a theory. Hey, you get within five feet of that baby, and whoosh, it's liquid brains. <laughs> Not me, Chief. I heard that when you answer it, you learn the exact day, hour, minute, and second that you die. Even the phone company was afraid to go near it. Uh, we're, we're not afraid, exactly. Phone regulations. It's a private call. Well, classic beaten beat name. Hub. Yeah. Hub Callister. And, <laughs> Hub Callister. <laughs> yeah. And I gotta say, I love how they introduced this character throughout the episode. It's the only yeah. episode he's in, and it was done so... Effortlessly. Yes. yes. He almost just always like... rises out of the bottom of yes. the screen into view <laughs> yeah. almost every time you see him, which yeah. is like five or six times. Yeah. Well, and it's the way, I think, on Pete and Pete, they treat a character who's new. It's new to us, yes. but they always treat the character as if he's always in the street. There's yes. others hub. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, right. anybody who comes into the Pete and Pete universe, it's never like, well, let's get to know this person. Yes. Right? It's just, oh, oh here's Hub. Oh my gosh. That right. is just a huge... Uh, I think that goes a long way to making these characters great. Yeah. And uh, fitting them into these stories really well. And I think that's uh, that problem is kind of illustrated in these superhero movies right now with mm. the origin over yeah. and over again. It's like, how often do you need... <laughs> do you need it ever, really? Right. I mean, do you need to know? Assume, assume we're smart enough to just pick up that this person What's has going powers. on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can maybe yeah come into that later. If, yeah, yeah. If, if necessary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or even better, like just little flashes. You yeah, know. Totally. 
Um, you should write for the <laughs> super for the Marvel. Are you are you Marvel or DC guy? Oh man, um, I guess Marvel mostly. Okay. I mean, I like Batman, but that he's my only like DC stalwart, I guess for me. Got it. Mm. Um, so it's the hottest, doggiest dog mm. day of the summer. Sure <laughs> I is. Love that, and it looks like it. The way it's filmed. Do you think it was? I mean, it looks hot. Yeah, you, you can it does. see the heat waves yes, on yeah. the film, and I don't think a, a, they clearly didn't have a budget to like add effects. Yeah. I think in this episode, sometimes it was even just like a. It was almost kind of like in Field of Pete, where it was just the way that they felt tilted the camera or mm-hmm. whatever. Sometimes just yeah, illustrated the heat. Yeah, and there's um, I do think this is a filter they put on there. In a lot of shots, there's like a really harsh orange glow, mm. but it. Yes, really adds yeah. to that feeling of like a just a brutal summer day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Pete tells us that on top of the heat, this is Big Pete, <laughs> uh, the ringing phone is driving some people insane. It drove some people insane. Our mom, who has a metal plate in her head, had the hardest time of all. She says the ringing causes a sympathetic vibration in her skull. Honey, I'll get it. Hello? Yeah, I'm ready. Call me right back. (laughs) To help her out, Dad fixed it so that when someone called, instead of the phone ringing, a different appliance would turn on. I've got it rigged to the stove alarm. Now watch it. A sympathetic vibration in her skull, (laughs) which I love that line, especially based on what happens later in the episode. Yeah. Um, Although she does smash, yes. Like, <laughs> if she's got something in her hand, she throws it when something rings. Yeah, that's she has like a jerk reaction every time she hears the phone ring. Um, so to help her, Dad is fixing the appli- all the appliances in the house to go off instead of the phone when someone calls. <laughs> great solution, <laughs> and it is a great Dad thing throughout this. Him like getting blown up and yeah. stuff. One of my favorite parts of the episode. Like, it really... If that part wasn't in the episode, I think I would like this episode a lot yeah. less because he's really working to fix the problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and On a micro level. At least in his house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. in the story, it's like, it only comes up a couple times, but it yeah. adds so much to what's going on. Um, so meanwhile, Big Pete is spending the summer on their cool basement floor in one of the Love most this. memorable things ever for me like every summer i think of that him on that basement floor that yeah. coolness in the basement you know I, uh, it's really relatable for I, sure um, yeah. both both pete on the floor and then pete and his friends outside yeah. on the grass just laying on their backs it's just it's too that hot feeling, to move. it's too hot and that's <laughs> such a kid thing of Okay, I'm just going to lay down wherever I'm at. Yeah. Well, but yeah. Pete's been laying down in the basement so long that, like, cobwebs <laughs> have grown yes. between <laughs> his feet. Really great. Oh, good. Hello? Pete, there's a phone crisis at Patterson Field. You can really use a volunteer. Uh, I'd like to, but I'm on to something. I can see this little half finger in the middle. Pete, your mom's on a call. It's really important. You're the only one I can turn to. It's life or death. I was on my way. Um, the only one in town impervious to the heat and the phone is Artie. Mm. <laughs> of course. So we think. Seemingly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ellen calls from the ringing phone crisis center <laughs> to tell Mrs. Wrigley that someone is in trouble, and Mom rushes out to help. Mm. With Mom busy already, Ellen also calls Big Pete to help out with the next crisis, and Little Pete and his friends follow after him on his bike as he 
goes to the crisis center in like a really great uh, man I don't even know how to describe this part like where they see the glint on his bike and just like they're are extremely drawn dehydrated to it. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're so hot that they just see the shiny bike yeah and, and they're they're the only thing they can muster is just follow the shiny thing they have suffered a heat stroke yes, <laughs> the whole lot of them yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and this is where uh, somewhere around here is uh, one of the great lines by Artie. I mean, should we? Yeah. Should we hear uh, well, this so this is Pete asking for death. Yes, yes. <laughs> we should note Artie's like uh, got a magnif- putting, yeah putting magnifying he, glass on his forehead. Yeah, let's hear it. Kill us, Artie! Hurry! Soon you will be as cheese, boy. Melty, melty, melty. Just, just so good. <laughs> yeah, I like the concept that Artie is trying to assist in Little Pete's death. Yeah, Kevorkian yeah, very hot. 94. But that melty, melty, melty line is uh, just another glorious. one that stuck with me. Yeah, I wonder if he came up with it, if he was just ad-libbing yeah. these or what. Yeah. Um, so Big Pete reaches the scene, and Hub points him to male woman McGinty, <laughs> who's spinning around trying to escape the Earth's gravitational pull to get away from the ring. <laughs> What's she doing? She's trying to break away from the Earth's gravitational pull. She'll do anything to get away from the ringing. Listen, I need you to start playing. I don't care what. Just make it loud. Right. <laughs> Hello, mailwoman McGinty. I was wondering if we could have a little talk. But first, let me answer that ringing phone. And it gives Big Pete the urge to help more people. Yeah, this the whole middle section of this episode is something I think about. This episode is it almost feels like the start, the middle, and the end are like all kind of different mm-hmm. feels. Like I don't know, there's okay. there's something tonally like not totally in tune throughout the episode. I was confused as to why the phone stopped ringing when in that moment when Big Pete. Well, I think they. They had like psychologically tricked her. I believe so we're that getting ringing, her, yes, her yeah. perspective. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Okay, we're in her head. Yeah. And Got Pete it. and his friends are also on the bleachers, just, just observing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I love this moment of uh, Ellen and Pete inching forward on the bike, like pulling the bike forward. Yeah, just, yeah. just looks cool. Oh yeah. Thank um, so, as little Pete sitting on the. Bil- bleachers uh he and his friends come up with a plan for him and them to save the summer and become heroes by answering the ringing phone yeah so call to action so i think it's interesting because you got literal oh call to action i should have called it call to action (laughs) you could still change that would be that'd be a good one uh so you got I think it's an interesting combo because like you got big pete ellen and mom kind of working as a team at the call center yeah and then got little Pete and his buddies who've now decided to end the suffering. Yeah. And I love little Pete's friends. They're yes. like weird just like him, just really great characters. Perfect. I'm you guys are gonna ask later about the names of them and I'm gonna not know them and regret. <laughs> but they're great. Yeah, their names are great. Um bef- as always. Before we go on, I think this would be a good time for a little nineties commercial break. Yeah. Maybe yeah. get a beverage, cool yourself down. I know I need one. <laughs> Next on Nickelodeon, it's the adventures of Pete and Pete, followed by Are You Afraid of the Dark? Whoa, stop! That crazy craving for honeycomb! Honeycomb, honeycomb! Me want honeycomb! Yeah, honeycomb! Yeah. 
I can see it now. Hey, it's so it's so sweet and crunchy. Sweet and crunchy. Like honey? toasted, uh... Honey? 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 That's it, honey. Yes, they want honeycomb now! I mean, let's get some! Honeycomb is part of this nutritious breakfast. Hey, um! What's the magic of Star Castle? Star Castle Tea Party Set becomes a teapot that really pours. It opens to secret compartments and special friends for your very own tea party. Add to your kingdom with star castles in the clouds, by the sea, and under the sea. Look inside each one to find secret chambers, hidden treasures, and other magical surprises. Star castles. Each sold separately from Trendmasters. And now, back to our show. Oh, that was great. Yeah. As always. Yeah. Mm. Like that uh, second one. Uh, I forget it was honeycombs or. <laughs> no, it, it was the one with, with the the joke. Oh yeah, yeah, that was yeah, good. It was good. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> continue, Andrew. Um, so, at, as Chris mentioned, uh, Pete's friends, we kind of like get introduced to them. Yeah, they are. There was Libby Hurley, who had mastered the Vulcan nerve pinch. Clem Linnell could hypnotize dogs. Nona Mecklenburg's speech patterns could cloud men's minds. Pete could produce seven kinds of body cheese. And then there was Artie, whose powers were endless. Oh, green pipe! I was drier yet! <laughs> Finally, there was Carl Hayden, who had the power of being a complete wuss. <laughs> yep. I love Carl. Uh, <laughs> and Carl is the first one to drop off, uh, just steps into their journey yeah yeah in a uh, force field yes yeah, yeah. Force field. <laughs> that nona just clearly walks up and breaks yeah <laughs> she's on the same wavelength yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that happens um the kid the kids they casted are just oh, so great looking. they are the realest kids yes so <laughs> yes. yes absolutely no. okay. uh big pete is helping out at the crisis center and to stop the phone call he decides that he has to figure out who the call is for mm-hmm. Hub tries to stop little Pete, meanwhile, <laughs> and his friends from moving on uh, by throwing a pair of uh, old, yeah. melted kind of sneakers in front of them. Yeah. Not melted. Uh, well, as little yeah, Pete yeah, find, yeah, yeah. points out. They do look, like, worn, though. Yeah, yeah. very worn. Wherever you got them. Uh, but that, just just that image, like, even, not have, even them not showing it, just the idea of, like, a kid uh, exploding from the heat just kind of cracks me up. Yeah. Um, so, and this is when they lose Libby to fear. Yeah. Uh, she, just, she doesn't make an excuse. She's yeah. just afraid. She just can't go out anymore. Gotta respect that. Uh, so meanwhile, at the call center, Big Pete gets kicked off the phone for yelling at callers <laughs> to confess. <laughs> and he heads out to the ringing phone, where he runs into Bert Looper, a psychiatrist, <laughs> who's preparing to use a fishing spear to destroy it. And he's got a big bowl on his head yeah. oh to kind of block yes. the sound. Do I love Bert Looper? <laughs> Just brilliant. The, a uh, psychotic psychiatrist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and just the idea of that bolt, like, that was his idea to block out the, yeah. the ring. <laughs> and the harpoon gun. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we go back to Little Pete, and Frank the crossing guard warns him and his friends not to cross this steaming hot <laughs> asphalt on this on one of the streets. And boy, do they do a good job making it look hot. Oh, yeah. It oh, looks, wow. it really looks great. Yeah. And I love yeah. that moment of the car tire bursting. Oh, just perfect. Man. Yeah, there's a car just abandoned in the middle of the street. 
Um, so ne- Clem and Nona thinking that they can do yeah. it no problem just, walk just run into the street and yeah. they get stuck. Yep. With shoes really, their <laughs> shoes come right off their feet. There's yeah. a pretty oh, right. good yeah. uh, line here. Maybe we should just hear it. Out of our way, gatekeeper. Sorry, chief. I can't let you cross. This street's been declared a danger area. I call it a stovetop. But Nona was wrong. In fact, it took nothing more than hot asphalt to stop them in their tracks. Great! Now we're stranded! You'll have to go on without us. You can break the code of the crosswalk, Chief. But you can't break the laws of physics. That's what you think, crossboy! So little Pete and Artie are left alone, and they use they end up using their melted shoes to jump across the street, but they get stuck on the hood of a car that's stuck in the street. Yeah, they get to the middle, and this is uh, <laughs> when Ar- when Artie looks to see how much they have left. Yeah, uh, let's hear this Artie line. It's just my favorite. Problem, problem. <laughs> it certainly seems ad libbed. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's. <laughs> Man, Toby Huss was just yeah. a legend. Yeah, seriously. Uh, um, fortunately for them, though, uh, Frank, feeling sympathetic, tosses his crossing sign onto the street to yeah. allow them to pass. Real sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. Don Wrigley would approve. <laughs> I, as sacrifices the most. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of love this moment. It's just, like, kind of subtle, but just, uh, first of all, how the sign comes flying in perfectly <laughs> yeah and it's that it's go. on go it's go yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. so good um, big pete had bert looper drop a psychiatric profile of the first passerby <laughs> and in going over it he realizes who it is yeah it's, mom. it's gotta be mom <laughs> boy <laughs> i don't know if it's gotta be but he well, <laughs> assumes he, it is he only actually realizes it when he talks oh, with her yeah, yeah. yeah like i think that he has a hunch he has a hunch but that's what confirms yeah. it. Dad calls and yeah. like in another great dad appearance, yeah. trying to fix the house, and it just like clicks. Mm-hmm. Ellen, Ellen, a psychiatrist, a Dr. Bert Looper. He drew up this whole psychiatric profile of the first passerby. Listen, listen. Probably filled with guilt. Feels the need to help out. Maybe here. Disturbed by the sound of ringing phones. Wow. Who could it be? I was about to find out. Ringing phone crisis center. Hey, son. It's Dad. I think I finally got it all figured out. Call me back. Huh? And if this works, your mother will never have to worry about a phone ringing in this house Um, again. So Big Pete goes to confront Mom while she's trying to help Cowboy Ed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she admits that when she was younger than him, she was walking by the phone and it started to ring. Mm. But she was too afraid to pick it up. I know, Mom. Know what, dear? It was you, wasn't it? The phone call. It was for you this whole time. Why didn't you answer it? Pete, I was younger than you. I, I was just walking by and it started ringing and I thought it might be for me. I was afraid. For 27 years? Yeah, well, I volunteer every day, and I've done everything I possibly can to help. Except answer it. Yeah. 
She was the first in the uh, psychology report. That it's referred to as the first passerby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the first passerby. <laughs> so we meet at the uh, abandoned... Uh, drive-in lot yeah and the neighborhood the entire neighborhood basically has gathered to see little pete answer the phone and when he finally does whoever's on the other end asks for mom hello it's for you hello personal would you mind uh-huh i've loved you since the seventh grade i just couldn't bring myself to tell you in person so i called you on the phone when we walked by one day <sighs> when you didn't answer I just kept it ringing. I got this job to stay with it. I just hoped that someday you'd pick it up. Uh, Hub, I like you. But... uh... I love my husband. You understand, don't you? That's, uh... That's incredible. That's just, like... It's just a great piece of, uh, entertainment. I was confused about the timeline. Like, Hmm. how much time passed between when he started calling and when he got the phone company job? Well, because I was trying to put—he he mentioned that it was called from a private line, which is why the phone company can't step in. Right. So I imagine whatever house he made the call, <laughs> there hasn't been another <laughs> call from the house. Uh, the phone's just been ringing. The, the I think I, I to me the bigger the bigger issue is why nobody's picked it up, not that he has kept the call going. Well, I mean that's kind of the crux, but also the one of those like just surreal. What makes the episode? Yeah. Know? Well, I was trying to just do the math on Joyce. Oh, Ridley, yeah. I can help. Like... I can help you with that. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll wait for that. All right, all right. Um, but we should note that, like earlier in the episode, people gave reasons why they hadn't been answering the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I thought one of the interesting ones was that the theory was that if you picked it up, you'd find out the exact moment yes. of your death, the date, yeah. the time, date. the second. Yeah, the ring really. Uh, really ripped off this this episode of pete and pete <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah would you pick up the phone if you, that was the case hell yeah that was something really frustrating about this episode to me is that i would like it is in my nature to i would rather do something destructive to know something than to mm. to it's like i'm not i'm with little pete on this yeah yeah i think i'm the exact opposite like i i mean if i got thrown into it like into this life where this calls ringing in my town um i wouldn't want to answer it because i would know that whatever was on the other end was just not gonna ever live up to i mean i think in this situation it does but i would think it was probably not gonna live up to 
that 27 years of ringing, and so I'd be it's like, driving I just, everyone crazy. I, well, yes, okay, that's yeah. I would want them to not be driven crazy. Yeah. If it wasn't driving people crazy, I would like it just as a like continue, like a eternal flame. Yes. You know? And I guess yes. that's really what it's supposed to be. Right. You know? The literal lines, yeah. eternal flame, yeah. oh, I think, are used to <laughs> But besides the actual logistics, this idea that this man is so in love with this woman that he actually, his career has become about keeping the phone call alive. Yeah. To me, it was just like, uh, just one of the most beautiful concepts. I I absolutely love it. I love it. Uh, it's creepy. I, I think it can be... Like, can you be, can construe it yes. to be creepy, but I think the way that they did it is, like, just this perfect... I just think it works perfectly. Uh, and the way... um, So she, of course, explains that she's married, she loves her husband. Yeah. Um, and she asks if Hub understands that. And he kind of... He doesn't... I it's think, very neutral he's, response. Yes. I mean, he lets her go. Like, because he... I love that moment, too, that to talk to her... Yeah. He lifts her up in his little, yes. his, uh, what would you call that, uh, uh, crane or... I guess, yeah. Yeah. Or cherry picker. Yeah. And, uh, and he lets her back down, and I really love the way Don Wrigley plays the moment. Yeah. Which is... Oh, yeah. As a very, it's very real to me of, like, this concern of, am I about to lose my wife yeah, yeah. to this much more handsome <laughs> man? And, uh, his but, relief... But I love the way she lets him down, too. Yeah. It's yeah. just a great... Overall, that part was played excellently. I think, yeah, especially yeah, especially Don. I think that, yeah, like his concern is evident, but there's also like a little bit of confidence there, like this like just ego of like not publicly wanting to let, yeah, 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 let up, like let down, because it's not just pure, like desperation, waiting, hunched shoulders. Like he's clearly concerned, but there's like also yeah. this like want this need to yeah. look composed which i really like which is great in contrast to the fact that the episode has set him up to look totally demolished <laughs> yeah, i mean he's yeah. got a patch over his eye yeah, yeah. and like an arm in a sling <laughs> uh and here's hub who's like this muscular <laughs> handsome yeah. man um but again like it's a kid show like this moment this concept of a phone just ringing 27 years it's it, it and then this kind of like weird weird yeah. supposed to be romantic moment but ends up being kind of weird it's just uh i think beautiful writing i think it's like played like t- really realistically like the whole thing like this is <laughs> as kind much of as, how it yeah. would play <laughs> yeah, out yeah. you know if this really happened yeah be similar um oh you know what we i really wanted to mention when pete picks up the phone they take about 30 seconds for you to just to hear the sound of nature yeah so oh, the birds yes. get loud and like everybody's happy and kissing it's a beautiful moment like the guy takes off the dome yeah. and uh, he just hears the birds cowboy ed just drops his crazy cowboyness and it, the, it's the male lady and male man yeah. make yeah. out yeah. like a pretty pretty, <laughs> pretty hard making pretty out. hard making yeah. out yeah. for for tvy yeah <laughs> um so, uh, finally, Hub goes back up into the air, and uh, and the phone starts to ring again. Yeah. We find out that Kind of stops people in their tracks, time, yes. but they seem to accept it, which is... It's stupid to talk about Pete, logically. Like, logically, it's stupid someone should just go, like, pick up the phone. But uh, this, closing, this love... closing Pete line really just, like, you know, it's whatever. Let the phone ring. Perfect. Should we Beautiful. hear it? Beautiful. Yeah. 
Hub knew that Mom would never pick up the phone, but it didn't really matter. To him, the rings were like an eternal flame. He kept lit by simply staying on the line. To this day, when we hear the rings, it reminds us that true love, if it's really true, doesn't need an answer. Just phenomenal. As good Mate, as it gets. One of the best lines <laughs> in the series. And then, yeah, I just love the episode. It shows the people walking back to their cars from town. Everybody's kind of content. Yeah. And they just go on their way. That, that's a huge part of Pete and Pete, though, is like this, this weird ability for everybody in the town to suspend their, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, um, they're part of this weird, like a normal person. What a normal person would do, I guess, they don't do, you know, and they go along with these, like, romantic things that are happening in this town, and I love that. Yeah, I think there are rules to Pete and Pete, like, the rules to the universe, and uh, it, even if you're not a main character, you are absolutely part yeah. of the absurdity. Yeah, you, yeah. And it's not absurd to you. Yeah, and all and all these uh, tertiary characters feel at important. Yeah. Like, they feel like the real people in the neighborhood, and, like, you like, care about them. Yeah. Frank shows the crossing guard. Frank, he shows up all the time. Yeah. And when he shows up, you're like, oh, yeah, there's Frank. Yeah. And uh, he's going to be kind of a pain in the butt, but he's going to help yeah. <laughs> in whatever yeah. little Pete's trying to accomplish. People seem invested in Cowboy Ed. <laughs> despite we, we keep mentioning him, but he's just a guy on his front lawn yeah, going right. crazy, dressed as a cowboy. Yeah, but <laughs> like roping his, uh, roping his lawnmower. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, and which is awesome. Yeah. I, like, that is the suburban horse. It's, like, um... It's a shot without explanation, too. Like, yeah. they show a guy in a cowboy costume lassoing his lawnmower. Yeah. And then just on to the, whatever the next thing yeah. is. Right. <laughs> it's, um... Yeah. Yeah. Right, we'll have more on Cowboy Ed later. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder, like, I, when I watch these, I'm, like, thinking, how do they so perfectly straddle that line of, like, surreal mixed with reality? It's just, like, so well done, I, it's like surreal and sentimentalism. Yeah, yeah. Like that's a, a combination that just you don't see anywhere yeah. else. I mean, David Lynch does it in the first season of Twin Peaks, but like that's the only other place I've ever yeah. seen that kind of combination, which is just a real winning formula. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, should we take a look at bios and trivia? Sure. Hi, this is bios, trivia, ratings. Stray observations. Well, I took a look at a few of the actors in this episode because I think that um, some of them will not show up in any other episode, so I'm going to make sure to touch upon them. Um, Sean McGurk mm. was Hub Callister. Ah. Uh, he only has 12 total acting credits okay. on IMDb. It's a shame. Including Matlock. <laughs> and a Jake Gyllenhaal movie that came out last year called Stronger. Oh, yeah, it was about the Boston bomb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, great character, but I, I thought he was great. Yeah. Um, and I thought his appearances in this episode, again, were just so well-placed. Like, suddenly he just appears, and he makes sense right in that moment, and it just works. Yeah. I mean, he appears like a... Like a uh... PowerPoint <laughs> fade into yeah. another slide. Like, yeah. He's so always gliding yeah, into the shot into from the trees shot. or from yeah. the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, he's great. So the next person I looked at was Mike Hodge, 
who played Cowboyette. <laughs> I've got some Cowboyette. Does he have? For you. Does he have any actual dialogue? Uh, no. He he he. Yeah. Had, he Are you sure a- he doesn't say like make like a cowboy? Yell, you know, like woohoo or something mm, at some point. I think uh, he maybe. definitely breathes like a sigh of relief, but I don't think he yeah. says anything. Okay. Well, you uh, may recognize him from Spin City or Law and Order. Hmm. And that's those it? Are probably, well, no, he's <laughs> been a lot, but those are his like, oh, most God, notable more. credits. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> and finally, Larry Pine pay, played Burt Looper. Ah. And mm. he's been in a lot of stuff. He's pretty recognizable looking. Yeah. Um, those include Royal Tenenbaums, ah. Moonrise Kingdom, Grand Budapest Hotel, the Gotham uh, series that's on, and House of Cards. He was a pretty big role in House of Cards. Oh, a lot of I know who he is now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who's he on House of Cards? Uh, Birch was like he was like a senator or something. Yeah. In yeah. The, and is it in the first season? He's in all. all I of think it, he's I think. in all oh, every okay. episode. Yeah. He's he's a reoccurring congressman. Yeah. Um. Wow, he's a Wes Anderson guy. Yeah, I'll have to kind of look for him now. Um, did you have more on? It seemed like you had more to say on Cowboy Ed, Chris. Yeah, so I feel like Andrew undersold him a little okay, bit. Okay. He has a long, long list of acting credits. It's really long. It goes back to like '82, I think, and he's been in multiple things seemingly every year since then. He's dead. Uh, he's dead now. Oh. Um, but the R&D. one thing that surprised me out of all these credits is that he is probably most well known for playing a judge. He's played a judge in seven different things. <laughs> wow. Which is pretty <laughs> remarkable. Yeah. He's played a judge starting in uh, 1998's Cuisine Americaine. Uh, he's played a judge. He's always like, he's played a judge in Ed, the TV series. Oh. <laughs> we all love. He's in seven episodes of mm-hmm. Ed. Uh, he's played a judge in The Kings of Brooklyn, a 2004 joint. Yeah, I remember that movie. He's played a judge in Law and Order. He's played mm-hmm. a judge in the movie Adam from 2009. He's played a judge in the TV show White Collar. Hmm. I've heard of it. And he's played a judge in a TV series called Blind Spot. Mm. Heard of it as well, but I so how long ago did he die? Seen any of them. Uh, in 2016, oh I think God. he died. Bummer. Yeah. Uh, and when he's not playing a judge, he's playing a detective, a lawyer, uh, a captain, a warden. So this was really a, an out of the box role. Sounds like I think it would be. Guard. I think it would be an out of the box role for anyone. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> but. But it, it seems like, yeah, he's, like, typecast as, like, the venerable, older uh, black man who, you yeah. know, everyone respects. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, I just thought found that remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> Very Mike cool. Hodge. Very interesting. Mike Hodge. This has to be the most anybody's ever talked about him on a podcast? Or it might be. hope not. It may be. He's got a but... long <laughs> acting career. Well, yeah. I wonder I'm... if there's a Law & Order podcast out there. I would think oh, there I'm would sure. have to be, but... Yeah, what would yeah. you call it, your Law and Order? Hot and Order? I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't know. How about Dun Dun? Dun Dun is good. <laughs> yeah, good. yeah, it's good. I don't watch a lot of Law and Order, so I'm not like familiar no. with like a lot yeah. of like reoccurring things that you could. People Court love rooms. Dick Wolf as yeah. like you know executive producers. Oh right, Dick Wolf. Yeah, yeah. 
It's funny. <laughs> uh, this episode is directed by Peter uh, Lauer, who we've talked about prior. Uh, it was written by Tom Hill, and if you remember, I brought him. I, we yeah. talked about him with Will McRobb because he's only wrote. Uh, he has two credits on IMDb. He wrote this episode of Pete and Pete, and he wrote an episode of Salute Your Shorts, and nothing else. That is amazing. Uh, and um, we asked Will McRobb. So if you didn't catch that episode, you should check it out. It's a good interview. But uh, Will mentioned that he worked on um, shorts with him at Nickelodeon. So he was kind of like a in advertising. They made like little snippets and commercials uh and so they had been friends i think he said since they were little and uh so he gave him a shout on this episode the only thing that doesn't make sense to me is that it is and i'll say preemptively it's not my favorite episode of pete and pete but it's a really good episode of pete and pete and i can't believe he did not write another yeah Uh, yeah i wonder if maybe since he only has so few credits that's why it was um just so kind of differently structured. I feel like this yeah. episode is like, I mean, it's done well and it all works, but it's just yeah. not like a standard. Yeah, and I think Will said that um, he was like kind of happy with what he was doing at Nickelodeon. That uh, like writing wasn't really where he was going. Um, so, That's but so I good. I looked at uh, two other people. Uh, like last week, I looked at the person who casted this episode. Her name's Karen Church. Uh, she episode, uh, she casted for five episodes of Pete and Pete, including two we've talked about already, Grounded for Life and Field of Pete, uh, which means she casted Ed Narens. So, good job. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, she's also uh, has credits as the associate uh, casting director on the movie The American President. Uh, Sergeant Bilko. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your boy Steve Martin. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the one you'll be most excited about, uh, Dirty Work. Oh man! Yeah. Wow. Pretty cool. That's a classic, right? Yeah. Yeah. But she has not done anything in a very long time. Um, So, Uh, and the other person, oh god. I was just gonna say it's a crime how many (laughs) of these people that have been involved with so many good, great episodes like have just done very little other stuff. Like, how is that possible? It's crazy. Yeah. The uh, other person I looked at on this was the location manager because I mm. thought the locations yeah. in this episode were really good. And as I mentioned earlier, I think that lot where the phone booth is is I don't it like burned into my memory for some reason. We're also kind of underselling um, just the neighborhood yeah. that Pete and Pete's always in. Yeah. I mean, I love it. It's huge. Yeah. And it's the just ha- like, the house so big when you're watching The it. house, like Pete in the basement. I was looking yeah. at the basement, like, that's a real basement. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> like a really old, probably early 1900s basement. Um, so uh, the location manager is uh, someone named Eddie Collins. Uh, and they were the location manager on 21 Pete and Pete's. Um, but they mainly, they're still very much working. Eddie uh, is the location manager on mostly movies. Uh, movie credits include Basketball Diaries, uh, 1985, Leo. Yeah. Really? I've never really, seen it. I'm a real sucker for that movie. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And the book. I love the book. Yeah. Uh, movie called Flirting with Disaster, uh, The Cider House Rules, Michael Clayton, George Clooney. Uh, he was the uh, location manager on the TV show Rescue Me. Um, yeah, you're like a, are you, I just you guys like leery, how you, heads? <laughs> not, not particularly, but I liked how you noted George Clooney was in Michael Clayton. <laughs> yeah. well, it's, it's such a it's such a generic movie. Type. Yeah, Michael yeah. Clayton. No, it's, it's uh, useful. 
John Stewart and Larry and Dennis Leary seem to be very good friends, so that makes huh. me feel like Dennis Leary's probably cool, even though I don't like him. And maybe he's <laughs> friends with Eddie Collins. Right, which yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Uh, the the movie he casted, I think, is particularly interesting. Uh, nine years after this, no, eight years after this episode aired, he uh, was the location manager on Phone Booth. <laughs> the uh, Colin, uh, yeah. what's his Colin name? Farrell. Colin Farrell. That's real career continuity right there. <laughs> I mean, who else do you get besides yeah. the guy who? He's the phone booth guy. Let me say that this episode is like leaps and bounds ahead of the movie. Phone <laughs> I mean, I think that's a safe statement. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, this is incredible. Yeah, and phone booth is. Well, he's just a location manager. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. I'm not blaming him. It was, it was a good phone. It was guy. a good location. Yeah, it was the location was great. Yeah. Uh, and then the most recent stuff he's done is a movie I just saw recently called First Reformed with Ethan Hawke. Uh, he was the location manager on that. Kind of a weird uh, movie out there right now. Pretty good. Uh, and then he uh, was the location manager on the new HBO movie Fahrenheit 451. Hmm. So uh, they're making it's a movie already, of that now. It's already out, my friend. <laughs> Michael Shannon, uh, Michael B. Jordan. Whoa, like all star cast. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't are, think I, I don't think people are loving it, but it's out. But those are two of the minutes. hottest names you could Michael, put in a movie. Yeah, they're both good, both very good. Yeah, Michael Shannon's one of my favorites. Are I like him? I did watch a few minutes of that. And it, uh, <laughs> a few minutes. I, it didn't immediately like grab me, but yeah. you know, it seemed. Made well. I mean, I love MBJ. Well. MBJ is great too. Yeah, yeah. I'm not just based on the previews for Fahrenheit 451. I'm not sure I liked the uh, look of how they're doing the future. Mm. It's like all the leather and something we need to remake. That is that a future thing that yeah, they like to do. Yeah, a lot of leather. Uh, <laughs> I want to see. If we're talking Bradbury, Bradbury's got a lot of short stories that I feel like we can turn into movies. Foreign, Fahrenheit 451 is it's too didactic. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I can feel you. Right. That's all I got on bios. Oh, okay. Trivia? Very good. Sure. Um, I just picked one little thing that I noticed. is This was a rare appearance by Mr. Tasty. Oh, yeah. I didn't yeah. see how many episodes <laughs> he showed up in, but... Yeah. This is one of the few. There's, there's that great shot where Clem Linnell is oh um, hallucinating. Yeah. How do we not talk about <laughs> and, that? And uh, he sees Tasty with the cone, and they're trying to break him out of it. And the next shot, the cone is on fire, and the, the there's an atomic bomb. Yeah, going like off a mushroom cloud. Yeah. That like, is so great. That is dark. That, it reminded me of like the Willy Wonka. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In the tunnel Sur- thing, like yeah. really horrific, yeah. surreal. Yeah. yeah, and I like uh, Artie like yelling it away. Yeah, so like they're both <laughs> seeing it, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> so I like that. Yeah. Um, also, there's a brief moment during that moment where everything goes quiet and you can hear the birds and stuff, uh, where you see like four heads yes. looking around and one of them is Mr. Tasty. Yeah, he's just at the bottom corner of the <laughs> yeah. screen, but you can see him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we should also mention uh, Artie does make an attempt at the phone. Oh, uh, but he yeah. when he approaches it, he just goes right past it. I, yeah, I must have missed that, but that is a great part. Yeah. Uh, I've thought of that again like many times since. Uh, <laughs> important to the Artie mythology. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just that. <laughs> well, 
the way it's shot is really good. Yes. Um, it's like cinematically shot, like where you just see already at a dead sprint yes. headed towards this phone booth. And you don't know what he's going to do. No. And he just <laughs> runs past it in that fade out. Yeah. Like, but it's just him fading Right. Out. He so disappears beautiful. from the yeah. Yeah, 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 Pete and Beat does that quite a bit where someone just disappears yeah. from the shot. Yeah, that's a great effect. Yeah. I mean, they use it great anyway. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, what I found here was that uh, in the area where the ringing phone is, you can see an advertisement for the movie in the heat of the night. And it turns out that uh, in the heat of the night uh, came out in 1967, which is when the phone started singing. So, Ooh, um, so good. So you That's got a couple tight. things here, right? Like the heat yeah. of the night, uh, same year as the actual when the phone started ringing. And that means the uh, drive-in ended. Like went out of business uh, that year. Right. The last movie they showed. I didn't even think that about that. That is incredible. <laughs> that really that is. is just amazing. Yeah. Attention to detail. Wow. August, that would have been. I looked it up. Uh, in the heat of the night came out in August of 1967. Oh my god. Um, wow. Did I, I, we might have mentioned this, but what the date when the phone started ringing? May 15th, 1967. So it was a few months, that last summer. Yeah. And then it must have closed right then. Which means the phone was ringing during the movie? (laughs) Maybe that's what put them out of business. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is good stuff. Um, This is the first episode to have Carl as one of Pete's friends. Carl's the kid who wusses out. Um, According to Pete's mom, so you're asking about age. According to Pete's mom, uh, she says that she was younger than older Pete when the phone started ringing. We know that Pete is around 16 at the time of the episode, which means mom at her oldest is 42. So she's probably around 42. Okay. Um, and then finally, uh, apparently, and I didn't do much research to confirm this, but apparently the real phone booth used in the episode is still standing, uh, in the original location in New Jersey. And if that's true, I'd almost like, yeah, I think I need to make a pilgrimage. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'd want some real confirmation. Uh, that would be preferable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you live in New Jersey... And you know, I, oh, I I know we have a couple listeners who actually live somewhat close to where they filmed Pete and Pete. Oh. Um, so if you live in the area, let us know if that phone booth's still yes, there. Yes, that would be great. Yeah. I'd go. Yeah, it'd be worth For it. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's the trivia I have. Cool. Um, Strap observations. Yeah. Um, Pete, Big Pete, at one point notes the ways in which Wellsville is like most towns in America. Did you catch any of these? Uh, no. They're, they're debatable. Yeah. I mean, but <laughs> <laughs> the streets are safe. Uh-huh. The mail almost always arrives. Uh, right, right, right. And the ice cream man knows just how to beat the summer heat. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, idyllic. The phone, what happens with the phone theories include getting within five feet and your brains <laughs> liquefy. Yep. Maybe and, that's what happened to Artie. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> And uh, what what Joe mentioned earlier, um, the finding out the exact day, hour, minute, and second you die. Yeah. Um, the signs, a couple of the signs at the crisis center that I noticed were it's never too late, and a phone is not your enemy; it is your friend. Yeah. Which almost sounds like opposite. Like it's, <laughs> I mean, for what would be good now, I guess. Yeah. Like trying to convince you to stay on your phone all the time. Yeah. Right. Um, 
Nona asks Clem once they're famous if he'd rather have his face on a postage stamp, a license plate, or a cereal bowl where you eat all your cereal and see a face at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Clem's answer? Did you get this? You so must the, know this. Uh, he, he, he says money. Yeah, he wants his <laughs> face on some money. Yeah. What do he you... says it in a great way, like, I want my face on some money. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys say? Of those choices? Yeah. Um, oh, man. License plate. <laughs> I really like the cereal bowl idea. Like that, that was a very... I like thought about that. I reflected upon that idea mm. after hearing that. I just like the idea of my face being on all the license plates for a couple yes. of years. Just <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> um, the owner of the shoes that hub through onto the ground? Uh, yeah, I got his Is name. Chucks? They looked like it. They might have been like a off-brand or something. Uh, I don't know. If, if I heard him correctly, I thought he said Len Flang shoes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Flang shoes. Len, Len Flang. Flang is the name of the person who's Oh, oh they're shoes. Len Flang's shoes. Yeah. Len Flang. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were a few um, things on the psychiatric profile that we could see yeah. that fit the person who mm. was supposed to answer the call. Those included being filled with guilt, mm -hmm. feels the need to help out, oh, yeah. hates the sound of a ringing phone, Big time. compulsive regressive personality, Check. inner ear canal ringing syndrome, Indeed. and phone ringing-itis. Yeah, that's right. And I noticed one line that was kind of funny amongst the sheet, which was, uh, the person would bake a lot. Mostly chocolate chip cookies, sometimes cake and lasagna. Yeah. Can I expound on some of these? Sure. I, I took some screenshots. Yeah, sure. Whoa. Uh, so this patient is filled with guilt. <laughs> uh, due to the lack of conviction, uh, the patient suffers enormous pangs of guilt involved with the inability to receive a phone call from a phone that doesn't belong to the patient. Um, this causes violent reactions to the sound of a ringing phone. And that's Joyce. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, feels the need to help out. Uh, it says here that they, uh, <laughs> they overcompensate and it takes over. This symptom causes them uh, to go to extremes in helping others to cope with a ringing phone. Uh, and um, it causes severe headaches. The sound of the ringing phone causes severe headaches. Um, and usually, uh, reactions usually result in breakable items being broken. What? <laughs> um, let's see, you said they bake a lot. Um, compulsively reads romantic novels uh, and spends all of her spare time knitting and crocheting. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, so those were a few of the things I was able to pick up in uh, the... Uh, who was that? that was Burt Looper's uh, Psychosis of the First yeah, Passerby. Yeah. Again, just tightness of writing. Yeah. You know, like no detail. Yeah, that was a three Untold. second shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Someone wrote that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know if we how clear we kinda hit upon this, but um that mom's plate in her head is the reason why she's yeah. picking this stuff up. Uh, yeah. uh there was there's a moment where Big Pete is confronting mom and if you pay attention in the background this like big woman goes running down the street sounds like she has flip-flops on or something <laughs> just like slowly running past them and then at the end of the scene somebody else goes running as if they're like chasing after them to try to catch them like if the, if that person's going crazy like everybody else in the neighborhood uh, that was kind of funny to not pick up on that <laughs> um and 
The last thing was just a couple of the shots I wanted to mention. Um, the eyeballs when Pete is going to pick up the phone. And it's kind of similar to some of the sh- close-ups of Pete's friends when they're uh, when they see the bike uh, yeah, going yeah, yeah, by. Yeah. And there's just like, you know, you see multiple of them on the screen and it's kind of yeah. hazy and just looks, it's just a cool effect. Yeah. So. Yeah, the, the heat in the episode is really visible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of the stuff I have here, uh, at the beginning of the episode, mailwoman McGinty is trying to stuff a large heart-shaped box into a mailbox. Uh, the, um... I meant to write what the name on the package was. Yeah, it was, uh, you remember? I don't remember now. It was Pearl Frud, uh, (laughs) at at 361 Elm, Westlake, SB... Uh, so obviously there's no state name SB, but I assume Cyburn. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, wow. And that's uh, so consistent. And that's one zero one zero nine one. That would be a New Jersey zip code. Oh yeah. Well, all the ones starting are like earlier states. Mm. Okay. Uh, McGinty also appears in Sick Day. Ah mm. uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I hope we maybe talk about that more someday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the mailboxes she's delivering mail to, there's a name on it. Did you see the name on the mailbox? Uh, it was Jay Monty. Hmm. Um, you mentioned the line, but it's just a classic. Uh, Soon you'll be as cheese boy. Melty, melty, melty. Uh, just a great, great moment. Um I I had noted all the powers that the kids had, but I also was going to ask which of those powers would you guys want? Just to go over again, we had um, Pete producing seven kinds of body cheese, Clemenel can hypnotize dogs, Libby mastered the Vulcan nerve pinch, Nona's speech patterns can cloud men's minds, Carl was a complete wuss. I, I think, I, I mean, it's, it's an easy call. Okay. Artie! Whose powers are endless. Nah, I, no, not Artie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> of the kids. Of the kids. <laughs> um, I mean, Nona's is probably the most useful. Yes, I agree. Yeah, that was Absolutely. going to be Nona's, yeah. That's cool. Cloud men's minds. Yeah, <laughs> I really like it these days. Um, I'm not sure what you would... I mean, cloud well, someone's mind, just like interrupt them during their thought not, process. It's not, it's not very necessarily useful. It just seems like, okay, confusing men. Mm. Yeah. Well, the others are far less useful. <laughs> yeah, so I can, like, speed, get pulled over, and climb oh, yeah, the yeah. cops. Yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, you mentioned a couple posters in the crisis center. Um, there was another one that said, all the community needs our help. Um, you mentioned uh, last week, um, what's her name that writes for AV Club? Mara. Yeah, Mara. Mara. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, I checked out her uh, her article on this episode, and she said something that I really liked, uh, which is, I, she wrote, I love that Joyce says, you could have just called me at home. It suggests a level of simplicity that the show just doesn't have. <laughs> Why drive a car, for example, when you can take a lawnmower? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that's, right. I, that's like one of the rules yeah. I think to Wellsville, which is simplicity doesn't quite exist. Man, I Mara Eakin, by the way. Mara it's Eakin. interesting because I feel like it kind of does, and that's what it like exists just barely underneath all this other wackiness. Like there is a foundation of 
simplicity to a lot of this stuff, I guess. I think Not the, to argue about it. But I think their actions are always um, counter to what the simplest definitely. action could yeah. be. Yeah. Like the methods. Yeah. yeah, like simplicity and goal, maybe, but yeah. complexity and method. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that point. Um... Did you note how many people? I it was really tough to count, but how many people do you think were in the lot during the picking up of the phone? Oh man, eighteen, thirty, including the Wrigley's and Hub. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I got to twenty-two mm. uh, about, but it was pretty hard to see. Um, there is one extra who appears in a couple Pete and Pete episodes, and he was in the lot. Um, he's an older guy, maybe sixties, bald. He, he wears a hat and thick rim glasses, hmm. and he's always kind of, like, really grinning hard. I, I know who you're talking about, but I'm not sure I recognized him from any other episodes. Oh, okay. I, I feel like maybe one or two I've seen him, in, but he's just a great extra. Mm. Uh, he's towards the end. Man, a lot... All the people really look like real people that yeah. would show up at whatever it is, the 4th of July thing. And, yeah. Memorable. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they just look like literal people that I've seen yeah. in my life around doing this stuff. You know? Yeah. And there's a kid in the episode who's in the call center and in the parking lot with blue hair. Did you catch him? Yes. He's got kind of like a long yeah. blue mohawk. He was kind of like uh, just catatonic at first <laughs> yeah. and then he snatched the phone away from somebody. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Well, that's my trivia. So it's time for ratings. Uh, this episode has an 8.3 out of 10 on IMDb. TV.com gives it an 8.5 out of 10, so out of 5 Krebs stars, what do you give the call? You know, all of these Pete and Pete's have had me rating it lower until I rewatched it, and, uh-huh. uh, and then I had to revise my ratings. Like, I can't do it in injustice like that. Um, so I gave it a 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that it's my favorite episode, but I think it's as good practically as good an episode of any as there is of anything uh just so uh, everything's good about it we've gone over it but it's great okay i had a really hard time rating this because i felt a split between my kind of more objective understanding of what makes it good and my subjective experience of watching it and subjectively i really don't like it that much it's too like i i like thinking about it and talking about it and i think it's objectively good but there's so much chaos in it that it's hard for me to like relax into it like Hmm. everyone is so stressed out the whole episode (laughs) and i feel some of that wearing on me Hmm. i hate to do it because i objectively boy (laughs) objectively i think it may be the finest episode of Pete and Pete. Like, if you gave it to, like, critics... If you gave critics the box set of Pete and Pete, I wouldn't be surprised if they picked this out as the best episode. But I'm gonna give it a 3.5. Oh, boy. That is shockingly (laughs) low. I know. Man. That's like, uh... I gotta say, I think that we have opposite way... This is a way in which we uh, see some of this stuff in the opposite light is, like... You don't like when there's a lot of um, anxiety, I think, going yeah. on in some of this stuff. And I, like, the more 
anxiety to me kind of the better. Like, I feel better about, uh, yeah. or, like, I feel like I can relate to it or something, you know? Well, for me, it's, like, it's the combination of there being lots of anxiety and it being so fixable. Mm. Like, I was trying to, for, for whatever reason, I was thinking of the, the Coen Brothers movie, A Serious Man, which, like, feels, like, riddled mm. with anxiety yeah. the whole way through. Um, also, and I really love that movie, and I was trying to figure out what was different, because I think they're both very good, but... The combination of it being so riddled with anxiety and it being fixable is frustrating for me. I'm like, but all you gotta do, just answer the damn phone. Like, that's okay. Like, we'll, we'll figure it out from there. Your brains aren't gonna liquefy. Yeah, I feel There's like no episode with that logic. I know. <laughs> I understand. That's why I'm I'm trying to separate my objective I think to assessment me, like, versus my subjective. That type of thing feels really real like that's usually what's going on in life is like people getting anxiety about stuff they don't need to be getting anxiety about you know yeah it just feels like i mean it's not quite real but that's also part of that whole pete and pete thing it's like almost real just that bordering on that line well i'm always trying to talk people out of that (laughs) kind of dumb stuff (laughs) (laughs) the like uh more ambiguous? I mean, I mean, the concept of this episode, to me, is about as Pete and Pete as any concept of any Pete and Pete episode. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Again, I think objectively <laughs> is a, a very good episode. Like I said... 3.5 is like Wild Thornberry's territory. <laughs> you, no, Wild Thornberry's for me is like two. Uh, like I said, if, if you gave the critics you trust most this box set and they pick this out as the best episode i'd be like i would not be surprised i i think it i think it is objectively very good my personal experience of watching it is different though okay Okay. i feel you i wish there was a box set of it yeah that'd be nice give me the third season um boy i went back and forth a lot and uh, I think I'm going to do... It's the first time I'm ever using something outside of, like, a whole or a half. Whoa. Um, I'm going to go 4.1. <laughs> I'm going to go 4.7. Uh, because it is nearly a perfect episode to me. Um, but the Big Pete segments really don't work for me. Uh, outside of him on the basement floor, yeah. which I think is perfect. Yeah. Love him on the basement floor. I think once he starts his journey outside of the house, him at the call center, him like confronting his mom, even like this, I like male woman McGinty trying to get out of the earth's gravitational pool, but like the football, it felt like it pulled away from the vibe of the episode a little bit. Like I like the slow feeling summer day, like the little Pete journey to me was perfect. Like the slow grueling march towards the phone was great. And then I felt like the call center stuff was okay, but, it didn't totally to me it felt like it slowed the episode a little bit too and that's what i like about the, i think the best pete and pete's have a pace like we talked about last episode with field of pete that there's this like unbreakable pace and the episode's over before you know it and the call even though some of the moments are, i think are the best of the whole series it the pace to me sometimes i felt like the length of the episode a little bit i, I understand what you're saying uh but it's funny that you mention the pace because i was trying to in thinking about this mention that uh that i thought the pacing on this episode was just like phenomenal 
Hmm. I mean, story-wise, like the hmm. way it like played out was just like I couldn't I, I couldn't <laughs> have expected anything better. I mean, it's okay. I I like it for them. I mean, I love yeah. it. I actually love it. Um, and like I said, that that concept of the yeah. phone call is one of my favorites. I think from the series. Um, so I really wanted to give it a five, but I kept thinking about when I was sitting there, that viewing experience, I wasn't loving the big Pete mm. moments. Okay. I definitely agree with that. And I also, you mentioned like that tonally, it feels like it's maybe like the beginning, middle and I'll have a different tone. And I agree with that too, but maybe even more than that, I come away with the, from the episode, not really being able to put my finger on what the tone is. Mm. And I, and again, that could be, for a lot of people, something that's really cool about the episode. Like, it's not, it, it's less, they take it really seriously and in a cool way. Like, it's almost indescribable. I can't compare it to anything. Like, I can compare other Pete and Pete episodes. I can at least have an analogy of something in my head. This one feels like the the only analogy I can come up with is, like, some, like, really arty kind of french mm. black and white movie mm. you know um where they're just really trying to go for something you can't quite grasp mm. um which i respect but it's it, like my inability to put my finger on like what this is trying to do makes it hard for me personally okay yeah i understand that um and i do kind of like that yeah, yeah uh i think um it's just like, I mean, in a way, in a very, like, in the ba- most basic way, it makes sense. Like, the parts, like, play out. But beyond that, it just feels so almost random that it almost feels like an organic situation that just happened and came out like that. Like, it just doesn't feel that dependent on trying to hold the story together but it somehow works in spite of that oh, there's no structure that you're like oh i recognize yeah, this yeah, structure yeah. and i see how they're playing with this yeah. structure yeah i mean the, the way like the scenes uh play into each other it's like it's <laughs> it just doesn't like fit together in my head like perfectly you know mm. yeah so I, I just like that feel like that's incredible to me to that they did that and got away with it. Like, yeah. made it work. I'm like, wow, that's impressive. Yeah. I think uh, no matter kind of where you are, it, it's a vivid episode. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. Yeah, once you see it, you can't really shake it. Yeah. Um, and the summerness to it again. Yeah. Just that hot summer. Love it. Perfect. Hot day. Yeah, perfect. Uh, hot day in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I forgot to mention in my trivia, I was interested because they did specifically pick the day the phone started ringing may 15th 1967 Mm -hmm. uh i wanted to see if anything significant happened that day and there's a very uh famous if you study um like government or law at all there's a really famous uh supreme court case that was decided on may 15th 1967 called enrigault uh and the case decided that juveniles accused of a crime uh would get the same legal rights as an adult and uh, I was trying hmm. to find a deeper connection, yeah. <laughs> something about juveniles and adults and rights, and I'm not sure, but uh, that, like, yeah, if you're into that stuff, in Regult is a pretty important Supreme Court case. Oh. Yeah. Happened the same day the phone started ringing. <laughs> Which was more important, hard to say. Well. One's a fictional event, of course, but... 
It was a pretty impactful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it was personally could very still impactful. be ringing. I'd let. Oh man, if that phone was there, I'd almost make it a priority to make sure it was always ringing. That would be <laughs> yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Before we move on, it is time to name the episode. I was toying with one. Uh, I just mentioned it because it's Twilight Zone related. Long distance call. Ooh. I, I decided against it finally, but um, I liked that. But I went with For Whom the Phone Tolls. Oh. Mm. I like it. Uh, I went with Pete Heat Phone Drone. <laughs> <laughs> like ET Phone. Yeah, yeah. Pete Heat Phone Drone. <laughs> Oh, well, okay, that's <laughs> probably the most creative title that we've had. Heat, heat, phone drone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wasn't expecting you guys to laugh. I thought you guys were going to be like, whoa. <laughs> you weren't <laughs> expecting us to laugh? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this boy, talk about a dilemma. Um, my title. You think you might t- change it to Pete, Heat? Phone drum? No, I might need to steal yours now, because <laughs> no, no. uh, the one I had was for whom the f- for whom the call tolls. Oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, but you care if I just steal a call to action? <laughs> oh yeah, you can have that. I just don't want two of the sure, same. Sure, it's so boring. Sure. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else on the spot here now. Um, well, you can also rhyme call with something. Yeah. Better call Saul. <laughs> <laughs> better, better call Joyce or better uh, call Joyce. Um, I mean, w- the first one I had was just the ringing phone, which I felt like was a very Pete and Pete title. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's be real. The call is the correct yes, episode yeah. title. But it's they perfect. But yeah. they they refer to it in the episode as the ringing phone. That, I don't care. Yeah. The call <laughs> call is just so short. And yeah. Sweet. The call is. Yeah. Mm. It, I think this episode deserves a very short title. Okay. I guess you named it the longest title possible. Um, Pete Heat Phone Drones. Four syllables. So Andrew will get the writing credit on this one. I'm going to go call to action. I thought that was good. Okay. Okay. All right. Y'all, you know, vote Pete Heat Phone Drone. (laughs) Pete Heat Phone Drone. Don't tell them what to do. What was your, for whom the phone for whom the phone tolls? Okay. Oh, he reads Hemingway and Joey steals lines from Andrew and oh boy, <laughs> you watch ET. <laughs> <laughs> right. Your favorite Spielberg movie? Uh, yes. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. So that kind of wraps up our Pete and Pete week. Yeah, really, really nice to just take a look at some of these episodes. Yeah, so good. Heck Uh, of a week. Yeah. (laughs) Hope people enjoyed it. It's July. It's hot. Yeah. Maybe. All all these episodes really put me in that summer, that hot, that midsummer feeling. You know, just like you can't escape it. Can't escape the heat. Bring out those critics that complain that all you guys want to do is talk about Pete and Pete. Well, we haven't talked about it in a while. I know, actually, it's real restraint. <laughs> we we have been resisting. I mean, this podcast could just be Pete and Pete and Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think probably once we like check off everything we haven't talked about, like once we get to 
know, <laughs> All the <way>. space cases <laughs> and yeah. Shelby oh, Wu. My younger uh, sister requested an Amanda show. Oh, and, oh but, boy. But, Maybe we... <laughs> and, and here's what, and I thought she had a good idea. She said, yeah. um, they do like commercials, like yeah. the Amanda show does commercials and mm. just do the top five commercials. Mm. From the Amanda. The show. amount of research that would require sounds daunting. I'd, I'd it's rather hard to say. I'd rather just watch an episode and like maybe rate each sketch or something. <laughs> that yeah, would be easier. Right. That makes sense. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, once we get through that stuff, maybe we'll indulge more and in, like stuff like this where we just go on stretches. I don't know. Uh, what are we doing next week? The people voted. Uh, yeah. Which episode they wanted to see written the most? Yeah, write an episode. Yeah. Um, so it looks like it's going to be Rocco's Modern Life, yeah. which I'm Duh. a little hesitant about. I'm yeah. a little worried. It's, uh, it's tough. Yeah. I'm hesitant <laughs> on all these. The good news about Rocco is, you know, ideally it can be a 12 minute concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, all of them, including the guests, have been fantastic. Oh, thanks. They've yeah. all been really good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The guests, uh, yeah, Bobby and Kevin killed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so that'll be fun. Yeah. I, I'm... I guess I'm less worried about ruining the shows that I like care about less. You know? Mm, yeah, yeah. I, see I really like Salute Your Shorts. I really didn't want to. Well, actually, yeah, you're right. You're right. I don't but Rocco's a tier above. <laughs> no? For you? For me, personally? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, they're like same tier. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, I want to see. I, when you guys have to write a Pete and Pete. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You want in on that? Yeah. Mm. Hell yeah. Oh, I want to in on that. That's going to be need really a month. tough. <laughs> I, I, I have all right. So I have you for write an episode, Pete and Pete, and I also have you marked for a year in review, nineteen ninety four. Oh my god! Cannot wait. <laughs> That's my year. All right. Uh, um, I get. I guess I like getting into Kel too. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, but not but that tier. felt easier. Yeah. Um, this just feels like, man. I don't know, Rocco. I'm not used to the like way the the episodes. Uh, well, they play out. They, go they, big head. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's, that's pretty, gold. That's a pretty good idea. They definitely have their own um, pace. Like yeah. even like within the series, no segment really feels the same. Yeah, it's yeah. very which unique. is I, I think could be liberating. You can really be. write it however you want. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, we'll see. Yeah, could um, be fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to send us your own Rocco episode, uh, you can write to us. Uh, you can tweet yeah. at us at BOC Podcast. You can uh, email us on orangecouchpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at orangecouchpodcast. Um, you can listen to us on Pipebean and iTunes. Leave us a review. Be very nice. Uh, and if you know anybody in Alaska, you could tell them to listen to the show. We're struggling. I'm trying to get that <laughs> listener. but That one... Not even that listen one play. <laughs> we have listens in Europe and Asia and Africa. We don't have one play in Alaska. Wait, so does it register? Do you have to download it in order for it to register? Or like, can I just... You have to hit play. You just have to hit play. Yeah. Because I never download podcasts and I was worried that I'm like impacting the podcast. I like I think it, I think it registers as someone hits okay, play. I just stream it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of Alaska is pretty like rural, and I think that oh, they yeah, have it's... a hard time with internet connection. A lot of places. So don't be. Maybe I'm wrong. Don't Prove be me making wrong. excuses Prove for me Alaska. Wrong, Alaska. <laughs> uh, Juneau is a bustling metropolis. Yeah, I've, well, ha- I've had just about enough of not having Alaska. Yeah, I want, Anchorage. I, I <laughs> want. <laughs> I'm about to send them back to Russia. <laughs> We love you, Alaska. <laughs> um, no, nobody's listening. <laughs> you, 
Who are you talking to? Eventually someone's going to listen and then they're going to come upon this episode yeah. and rue the day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say they're going to turn the rest of Alaska off from us, yeah. but they're already not listening, so... We have it's okay. we have been listened to in Russia twice. Oh, twice, twice, Russia! Ooh, wow, <laughs> yes. yeah, that's pretty wow. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I Can't mean, even get Alaska. Unbelievable. Australia, yeah. Australia, three hundred twenty-four. Wow, three hundred twenty-four. What? Any, anywhere else you want to know? Iceland. Iceland, <laughs> nothing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's these. It's the cold weather. Oh no! Now. I'm sorry. Iceland five. No five. <laughs> five. Wow. Okay. Now there's really no excuse. Green, well, green, no, Greenland. Yeah, because no one lives in Greenland. Yeah, but Iceland has. <laughs> Greenland is almost completely not populated. Yeah. What about Mexico? Not much. Uh, Twelve. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I bet they're in Mexico City. Real cosmopolitan. <laughs> Americans traveling. Yeah. Probably into Mexico City. So uh, yeah, maybe someday. Yeah. Alaska. 300 people in Australia. Crazy, right? That's crazy. Wow. Two oh. people in Nigeria. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's amazing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Alaska's. Yeah. Well. Well, I'm, I hope you all enjoyed our, <laughs> our rant. Campaign continues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris? Oh, yes. Oh, thanks, pleasure. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for coming up from Austin specifically yeah. just for this. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I, I made time in my schedule. I'm very busy. Oh, we know. I don't we currently know. have a job. Mm. So, but, you know, I'm appreciative of hanging out with you guys. Yeah. Getting on the great. BOC, working on the catchphrase. <laughs> We'll Doc- see how that works. Doctor of Death. Doctor of I'm Death. I'm here to relieve you of your life. I'm cure you of your life. <laughs> Endless Mike, also a very good band name. Yeah, that is good. Yes, Mike. We've already talked about character names on Pete and Pete, but masterful. Endless Mike oh. is the best character name, I think, of anything <laughs> on Nickelodeon, or maybe anything ever. I love Ooh. that name. I love Endless Mike. Better than Clem Linnell? Are you kidding me? Wait, is that Clem. serious? I love yeah. Clem. Clem Linnell. That's just poetry. (laughs) That's, but that's just a random first name and last name. Endless Mike is so memorable but absurd. What does endless possibly mean there? Yeah, he's endlessly Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, it's just impossibly good. Yeah. All right. Hellstrom, I I believe is his last name, which I love also. My two favorite words in the English language. You know, like Donnie Darko, yeah, yeah, Salador, yeah. <laughs> Endless Mike. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, well, it was a great episode, and we hope to see you next time. Just let it rain, don't answer the phone. Don't answer the phone. Don't answer the phone.
sure you of your life.